creative footnotes. I have a wonderful guest here from the faraway lands of Indiana. Hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> I have a, a Manny here. An Emmanuel. Um, <laughs> and it is, um, we're playing time hop here. So today is Thanksgiving. So you would have heard the episode with Laura if you're listening today, but we're recording this episode on Thanksgiving, but it will come out in a few weeks. So you have that to digest. And <laughs> something that's fun about today is it's a little uh, more of a unique circumstance in that your your creative avenue, and this is like going to lead right into my first question, is web design. And I'm curious, like, why, if you were on, like, a debate team or you had to make a case for why web design is, like, creative expression, mm-hmm. what would your claim be? So that's a really fun question. Um, so my claim there is that everything has a website. Um, chances are, like... If you've ever Googled like a business or a store or something, and if they didn't have a website, you were probably a little disappointed, at least at first, because there was some information you were trying to get there or not. And if you have been alive for like more than 20 years, when the internet first started, web pages used to look super duper plain. They were just like very basic and they had like just paragraphs of text on them and like nothing really interesting. Now we have websites that do all sorts of crazy fun stuff on them because it's just people's creativity and creative expression out there to try to make their thing look different, right? It's like nobody's really drawn to, like, imagine you're walking in a store and you're trying to buy, like, a soft drink and you see Diet Cokes, Right, <laughs> which have this really cool bottle. It's the iconic Coca-Cola bottle. Whether it's the glass or the plastic, you could pick the Coca-Cola bottle out from a lineup. Everybody knows what it looks like. The Diet Coke has a very distinct label. It's got that Coca-Cola red and this beautiful silver color. And you just know what it looks like. It doesn't need to look like that. They could literally have a, a plain, no-curve plastic bottle and stamp Diet Coke on it in Times New Roman It's the same product in the bottle, but the packaging and the appearance makes it look different. So when you're talking about like putting information on the internet so that people all over the world can find your product, your creative projects, your art, your movies, your literally whatever, it's the same thing. It's presentation. It's dressing it up to make it look different than the other guys. And the creativity that goes into making that happen It really has grown a lot in the last few years, and it's amazing how it keeps growing to, you know, to lower those barriers to entry. You know, things like Squarespace have gotten incredibly popular. Squarespace is Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, I have opinions on Squarespace, but I think that... Yeah, we could definitely get there. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask that, that too. Like, your background is in, like, you can actually build a website. Yeah. Without a builder. Like, you can code. Yes. Yeah. To, uh, to so that's also, like, another level of... I, I don't know necessarily if you would first say creative expression, but also, like, 
problem solving, yeah. right? Like active, creative problem solving when you're working. Mind you, I'm speaking from not a lot of background doing it. Not but I would others. assume in the process, like there are things that will happen where you're like, okay, well, that didn't work. How am I going to go about doing this differently? And then you're doing like the mental gymnastics of like, how do I make get from point A to point B? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it definitely is creative problem solving. Uh, code is something that I am always trying to learn more about. It's something that I uh, got into relatively recently. And one of the reasons for that is because like I was sort of, you know, alluding to earlier with how much technology has enabled web design to grow in the last few years, like really in the last like 10, 15 years specifically, um, the knowledge for coding is becoming less and less important for building a website. Now, what coding and specifically like HTML, CSS and JavaScript, um, what they allow you to do with a website is to get more control, right? Like you can get really granular and specific with what you want. If you're using something like a page builder, and there's tons of page builders out there, tons of different content management systems out there, but um, let's say let's use Squarespace just because it's a super popular example these days. If you want like a specific something on your website, like a specific widget or appearance or whatever, and Squarespace just doesn't support it, for lack of a better term, you're just shit out of luck. You mm. just don't get to have that on your website. Yeah. Um, but if you know how to code, you can take those ideas that you have. You can take these weird designs that you just like think to yourself, oh, that would look interesting. OK, how do I do that? And then you can make those a reality. So like you said, it is problem solving. It's just thinking about different ways to do things. But now, also it involves design. Absolutely. It involves design. It, it involves like if you it, it's it's like architecture versus engineering when you're like trying to build a house right it's like the architects are going to make it look beautiful mm -hmm. but then the engineers have to make it happen and there needs to be like there needs to be an overlap right because you you can't you can't just draw whatever on a blueprint and say oh well i'll let the engineers figure it out because like mm -hmm. materials have limitations right yeah. you, you can't have like a 20 square foot ground floor and then have like, you know, a palace up above it because it's not going to support itself. Um, but as long as like the creative and the practical are like talking to each other, you know, the world's your oyster. You can make like anything happen. Yeah, that's neat. So what's your what's your formal training in my formal like your schooling all education? Yeah, like all all self-taught when it comes to web design. I started learning um, web design and development like in college, but um, I was studying marketing, right? Like mm. at a. But that's also like a creative outlet, right? If you say so. Um, my I guess some avenues of marketing, right? Yeah, Maybe like creative. Yeah, definitely. Like they teach you like promotion management. They teach you sales, and there's a level of creativity that's involved in those things. But um, at the end of the day, like, at least in my university, I'm not speaking for every college in the world, but like at my university, uh, they, they focused more on the scientific aspects of mark the numbers mm. side of marketing, basically, which is like, you know, research, analytics, all that fun stuff, which is super relevant. But 
you know, they, they don't teach you like, well, this, they didn't teach you like advertising, right. Which is more of the creative side of marketing. And they didn't like really dive into the super mm, like advertising. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't like dive into the super like creative, like, you know, artsy aspects of the, that particular career path. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of those things were things I taught myself. And then um, you can also like, you can absolutely go to school for web development, but um, is, is that the best use of your time and money in an age where you could get behind the wheel of something like Squarespace or Elementor and build a website in 20 minutes? I don't know, but um, I would imagine if you want to custom develop websites for a living for uh, you know, huge clients that have really specific needs. Yeah, learning full stack web development in a university setting is probably a good idea. I don't know though. Yeah, I didn't, and so, I probably won't go back to learn it in university. So I'm comfortable with my choices though. Yeah. So how would you like define yourself in the creative like atmosphere? That's like a, where would you place yourself? That's a really good question. I don't know relative to what. I guess um, you could do it like logistically or philosophically. Like for me, I guess I would say I wear many hats. Like I'm a photographer. I'm a poet. Uh um, Creative director. um, Makeup artist. You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of outlets. Like I wear many podcast hosts. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I, I, so I definitely use web design for creative expression, right? We talked about the fire hydrant project, which... Yeah, tell us about that because our listeners don't know. So that's not super duper ready for live yet, but I've been... But give them the gist, the the, taste. The gist is that out of a combination of boredom and wanting to like learn how to do very a couple of very specific techniques, I started building a fire hydrant themed website just to display like hundreds of photos of fire hydrants that I've taken over the years. That's about as insane as it sounds, but um, <laughs> it's just something that I've been working on for fun. Right. So I definitely love the creative flow that can happen, but it's like, rather than being creative with paint and brushes and pencils, you're being creative with like, you know, numbers and keystrokes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, images like but you're also like collaging almost yeah like the way that you are putting together images because images have to be laid out a certain way Mm -hmm. on the website and if you have them like transition in or move as you scroll or things like that and i feel like those are all those are all also like elements of design right and um is that something that you ever had learned specifically like the principles elements of design or do you feel like that's something that you kind of picked up along the way as you were learning like about web design Uh, a little bit of both so I've taken a couple of like online courses in graphic design and in things like logo design and typography Mm, because all of that is very important but more than anything I've been like really like just picking it up as I go along the way Um, another thing that like comes into like muddy the waters is uh, UI and UX, which is user interface and user experience, which are both design based. Um, because, you know, if you've ever been like a website, that's like really hard to navigate and like, it doesn't really listen when you press a button and it doesn't load right. And it doesn't look right. 
that's just a bad user experience and mm. or user interface. Um, interface is basically what you touch, what you work with, what you click on. Um, like things so you like dir- menus, things like that. Yeah, those are things that comprise user interface. User experience is like overall, it's a lot more broad. Um, it's basically just like more defining, you know, getting from point A from like when you land on a website to whatever you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to like sell stuff on a website, you want the experience to be good and understanding basic and advanced design principles helps that move itself along the way. Nobody wants to look at anything, be it a website or like a diet Coke bottle, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to look at anything that's boring or bland or outdated. Um, And at the same time, Nobody wants to look at anything that's like too flashy or too overcooked right. and overdesigned. Right. So just understanding like how design principles work really helps, you know, pull it together. And I've always thought of myself as like a creative artsy person. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock anybody, but like I know not all web designers have that creative vision. They rely on graphic designers to create stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely nothing wrong with that if you have that luxury, but, um, it's just not a luxury that I've had in the past. So I've had to be my own graphic designer and my own web developer at the same time. Well, I'm sure it's also kind of a different thought process too. Like some people probably are much more, um, math or science oriented about it. You know, they're like, this is just how it is. This is what I do. I plug this in and that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm plugging this in. This is what we wanted. And that's the end of that, you know? Yeah. So it's cool that it's obviously just like a unique thing to each person who's doing it, like how they view it. And what's interesting too is in, cause user experience is actually a major at SCAD. There's always a SCAD tie in in the podcast, but <laughs> um, that's, like that's also weird. design though too, because it's not just design and the actual you're looking at, but it's like, science of design of the user of like how you look at a web page and like how you move around a web page because it's also annoying right if it's hard to move through a web page yeah like you just will probably give up mm-hmm. right there's some statistic about that yeah i'm sure but like you know that's another level of design that you have to be aware of of like just moving around like can you get where you need to go on this website because yeah. otherwise, what's the point, right? Yeah, it's all it's all related. And um, with the the number of websites in existence and competition for attention in existence, it, it's only going up, right? What's, what's a common in, mistake that people make design-wise in a website? Not optimizing for mobile. And that's mm. huge. And like, why? Why do you think that happens? Is it a lot? Is it an oversight? Is it that the people who are asking for work on a website just don't think about the mobile part? It could be or both. Or what? Like, why, why do you think that is? It, it could be any number of reasons. Like, I wouldn't really... Um, I guess I'd be speculating if I had to guess because it could well, be for sure. But book. like from your, if you just you had know. a guess, like out of observation, since it, that was it, like it the first thing be, you thought of. Yeah, it, it could be just that they didn't look at it or they, they might've looked at it on their phones, but not understood that different phones have different resolutions and aren't all going to display the same, mm. but more than 
depending on who you ask, depending on what source you look at, anywhere from 50 to 60 and up percent of traffic to the internet, right? All websites has been mobile in the last few years. And that trend is only going upwards. Everybody looks at everything on their phones these days. Most people um, don't even really go on the internet on their computers anymore. They just go on their phones. Um, maybe not most people, but definitely well, some no, people. No, for sure, because some and, people um, don't even really have laptops anymore. Yeah, because the, you know, iPads, you know, phones, they're, they're more powerful than ever, and they're perfectly capable of browsing. But um, a huge mistake is not designing from what we call a mobile-first perspective, which is making the website look good on your phone first, and then... Then on the website, up. yeah, yeah, because wow. um, cause, I'm uh, definitely guilty of that. Yeah, because uh, it, we've we've all been there. We like I've been on websites where the logo either loads and half of it's off screen, or the text is breaking, where like a tagline goes from like looking really nice on the desktop, but then on my phone it's like one word per line and it's getting cut yeah, off. Or you yeah. click you click on the menu and like half the menu is off screen. Um, and sometimes you'll get like, I've gotten this too, where like, sometimes I get a warning that's like, Hey, for the best experience, look at this on your, on your desktop. And like, that's cute. And that's nice of you to do. And for some websites that are really just trying to present something, sure. Okay. That's acceptable. Um, but at the end of the day, you should really make your website just work for phone. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you're building a website or you're having a website built for you, and your developer isn't thinking about the mobile experience, that's a red flag. As a creative, do you find that when you work, if you, well, I don't know if you like have experience with this, like necessarily, but working with a client, say that's like also a creative, mm-hmm. say, so like a person like me, for example, and I was like, hey, I have all these ideas for my photography website. Mm-hmm. Do you find that a client like that is like more difficult or easier to work with as far as it being like a creative collaboration? Like, do you feel like people's ideas can be grandiose sometimes without an understanding of what's capable to achieve on a website? Or do you feel like it's more of a fun, like back and forth of like, okay, here's your idea. Here's what I can actually do kind of collaboration. That's a good question. I think it definitely like most things in life. I think it depends. It depends on the individual. Probably the right? person that you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, But it, I, I will say that overall, if I like had to pick, I would say that somebody who has a good understanding of the creative process is always just a little bit easier to work with because um, I don't know if other designers or developers will relate to this, but uh, the famous, uh, can you make it pop more request? Yeah, is always one like I've gotten that several times in my life. I will inevitably. It's just not popping for me. Can we just do something to make it pop more? It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But um, somebody yeah. who somebody who understands like, uh, oh, hey, uh, can you can you change the font weight? All right. Great. Mm-hmm. I understand. Like, right. hey, can you uh, can you change like the color? Can you can we look at a different typeset? Right. People who speak creative can like talk to you that way. Um, I, you know, I currently work full time and my, you know, my full time marketing team, we have a graphic designer on staff and she's a joy to work with because like she can explain these principles to me and I can explain them back to her. 
So it just makes life easier. But if I was trying to work with somebody who like didn't understand creative speak, it would be more of a pain and uh, it would be more, it would be more difficult for me to try to ascertain what they're talking about. And and the truth is you, you got to know how to be good at that anyway, because everyone you're going to work for in your life is not going to be a creative if like, yeah, um, like absolutely. A, hypothetically, if like a plumbing company comes to you and asks you for a website, not to generalize, but you can bet that there aren't going to be many creatives on that team. Right. And you're going to need to know how to communicate with them to get their vision and present their vision. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that that's a what, skill all of itself. Right. I was going to say, what part of that process do you find that you struggle with? I think for me, if I were to apply it to photography, um, I think sometimes just if the person doesn't understand my style Mm -hmm. and they come to me and they have this idea and yeah, maybe I'm capable of doing it, but maybe they don't understand that like that's not my niche. Right. You know, and then working out what can the final product actually be together if we end up working together based on our ideas and how do we like put those together. I feel like that's the hardest part for me because it's like, how do you, how do you explain to someone past like them just, I don't know, like looking and understanding your work, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, um, the, the truth is that part of it is just managing client expectations or customer or whatever you want to call them even like at said full-time job that sometimes has come up which is there it's a little bit more straightforward because we have a very clearly defined brand so somebody asked me to do something that's just not on brand i could be like this isn't in our brand and this isn't how we look this isn't how we speak or present ourselves so we won't be doing this and usually you know you have your manager to back you up on that in a more personal sense, it's like um, you don't go to a steakhouse and go to the chef and say, you do good work, but I really like what this sushi restaurant does. Can you do something more like that? It's like, no, I can't because I'm a steakhouse. And if you want sushi, you should yeah. go to a sushi restaurant. Right. So, like, you know, you're not going to work with everybody. You know, there. I would imagine that there are some people who are just willing to make something for every client out there and that's Mm. perfectly fine but um i don't think i've also been in a position enough where i've had to really go foot down on that but if somebody is asking me for something that's like really uh creatively different than what i would normally do it would probably end up being a conversation about like look what's our vision and like what are you expecting from me um those can be challenging conversations but it's worth having those conversations on the front end so that you both have a clear mm-hmm. expectation of like what you're getting out of each other. For sure. I, I agree. I mean, especially in a creative setting, especially if the person's paying or vice versa or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, but I think just in life too, right? Like just not, if you don't understand someone's expectations, it's very easy to have miscommunications or letdowns. And so if you don't go through that process of, okay, what do you expect from me? You know, it's like if someone expects me, it's actually, and I think I've told the story before, so I'm not going to rehash it, but I had a client once who had all these visions of the retouching that I would do on her images. And I was like, well, A, I don't really do it like that. That's not my vibe. Mm -hmm. And B, if I do that, it's going to be 
a cost for every image that I'm retouching because that's time and work. And she was just like, oh. Yeah. I'm like, okay, um, well, you know? Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, a phrase that should be in every professional creative's playbook is uh, that was not in the original scope of work. <laughs> and uh, mm -hmm. granted, you know, use that phrase honestly. Don't use it to save yourself if you forgot to do something, like own up to your mistakes. Sure. Right, for but sure. like, you know, if if I if I like make a plan to deliver like, I don't know, uh, a new homepage, for example, and then somebody's like, oh, well, you didn't do anything with the menu, but that's on the homepage. Well, no, like yeah. not necessarily, not if we didn't talk about that as part of the homepage, it isn't because that's its own thing that is designed usually separately from a homepage because it needs to work all over a site, not just on one page. But if, you right. know, if the scope was, hey, can you build me a new homepage and a new menu to go with it? Absolutely, I can because that's fine. That's a that's a new project now, right? And we'll all be happy. So yeah, I guess just like keeping your eye on the scope is very important, and don't work for free. <laughs> don't yeah. give away free work if your client's making you feel guilty. It's sure. uh, it's really not worth it. You're you just cheapen your own your own creativity and your own labor at that point. For sure. And it's hard to come back from that, especially yeah. on the client front. Yeah. Don't don't ever race to the bottom just to get a job. Um, grant, like, you know, with an asterisk, like if you're trying to eat, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to pay the yeah, bills. That's yeah, understandable. Sure. But don't like don't. There's so many things like Fiverr and whatever out there these days that are just a race to the bottom. No quality like AI generated whatever for your site. Mm -hmm. And it's no bueno. It's just not worth the hassle. And um, if you really like look at those cheap little designer things like that, you're going to find yourself in like a year or two coming back for a revamp. It's going to be more time, more energy, more money. So, you know, cry once, buy once, I would say. Um, Where do you think that two ends of the spectrum here? Where do you think that there have been great improvements within web development? And where do you feel like there could be improvements where there aren't being improvements for some reason? Mm -hmm. So where I think that there have been improvements is just access to the technology. Um, I hinted at this earlier, but just to reiterate, like, my background didn't come from HTML and CSS. I started learning that way after I started learning web design and development. And that's because technology in the 21st century, especially in like the 2010s to now, has enabled an individual to get behind the wheel of like, you know, content management systems like Squarespace, like Elementor, like other page builders like that. And just get to work. And yeah. you still have an incredible level of freedom to do that, which did not exist before. And they have their limitations. But at the end of the day, if you need to just create a website, they are great. I'm, I'm never going to discourage somebody from using something cheap and or free to just get a website going and, you know, uh, like launch their vision or launch their dream or their product out there to the world. I'm never going to talk someone out of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, 
But at the same time, I think that where some of the challenges lie are people understanding that just because it's easier to like get access to these things now doesn't mean that like you should or can necessarily do everything yourself. Mm, Um, Because again, that's how you get into issues of like, you know, like we were talking about mobile usability. Another big one is accessibility, like for people with disabilities or people who use Mm, like a mm -hmm. screen reader or an assistive device to access a web page. That's a BFD because um, you you can't you can't ignore that community when you do design and develop a web page, and ninety nine percent of the page builders out there just don't care because it's not it's it's not in their purview. It's like Squarespace is selling you a website; they're not selling you accessibility, yeah. right? It's not their product; they don't and, care. And that's another thing where you wouldn't know that unless you know the Mm. space yeah you know unless you're an expert in that Mm. field which is another reason why it would be good to at some point you know get the help from someone professional and i also am a person who likes to learn things and learn as much as i can about stuff but there's also like only so much time in a day there absolutely is (laughs) so to like accomplish certain things like that's why people have careers right like Mm -hmm. that's why they go and like you yep. learn these things and aren't able to accomplish them. Um, I, something I was thinking as we were speaking is that, um, can you explain what HTML and CSS are? Cause we we're talking about it. Like people that's know, but I question. realize sometimes people come in without an understanding. Yeah. That's what a, we're that, talking about. That's a fair enough question. So HTML and CSS are the building blocks of every website on the planet. Um, whether you directly use them to create a website or not, they are still at play. So mm-hmm. um, what HTML... Always both of them. Both of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what HTML stands for is hypertext markup language. And it is the language that is used to actually write what you see when you load a web page. Mm-hmm. So the okay. words, the images, the uh, sections, all of that is organized and laid out in this language called HTML which uses uh, elements and different types of like, you know, parameters and what have you to basically make all of that happen. And even if you don't ever write a line of HTML code, it's still being used to render your site. When you use a drag and drop page builder like Squarespaces, for example, you're basically just telling Squarespace like, hey, put this little box with my logo up here in the corner but then what Squarespace is doing on its back end is saying like, so we got to create the HTML on demand for when somebody loads the page that that box with the logo is up there where they put mm, it. Okay. And then what CSS is, CSS is, uh, it stands for cascading style sheets. And it is a framework. Um, people might call it a language. I'm actually not sure if it's considered a language, but uh, it, it, whether it is or isn't, isn't super relevant. It's a framework for styling websites, cascading style sheets. So CSS are the rules that make up what a website looks like. So if you want a particular item on your web page to be a certain color, a certain width, a certain layout, a certain dimension, anything like that, you would write CSS rules for it. And the HTML and CSS files are loaded together on a web page. 
they have to be, you know, tied in and connected. So they with work. Yeah. So they work together. That was going to be my question. They, they do. Yeah. And so like when they, you look at, sorry, not yeah, good. Go when ahead. you look at, I'm visually trying to imagine like when back in the day, what people might have experienced with like me, when you would change like your theme on Tumblr, is that what you're looking at? <laughs> When it opens up on that left-hand side, right? And it's all the things that you can scroll through. You could you could put a gun to my head right now, and I wouldn't remember what any okay. part of th- Tumblr looks like. Actually, but, so since we're um, like recording on a computer, I'm actually going to ask you because <laughs> I have my big cartel, which is similar because it also I runs thought, in through a theme. I thought she was going to pull, pull up, up Tumblr. Tumblr. I actually oh do God. still have a Tumblr, but um, so like, for example, right, if I go here to my account... Um, and then I go to like design. So view your shop or maintenance mode. Let's go to shop design. Here we go. Okay. So see, um, I chose from a template. I know you guys can't see it on the podcast. Yeah. The Sorry. poor, the poor audience um, is being spared all of this. So here, but, right. Okay. Like it'll have like this. Oh, I guess it labels it. So yeah. this, so Say so if you are at home are listening and are curious what we're talking about, we're just looking at CSS on the computer on my actual website for my um big cartel website, sparkleshanti.bigcartel.com. Plug myself. Yeah, go there and buy um, your shit. Go buy my stuff. But um, so can, can I curse so, on this thing? I've been yeah, you can. Oh <laughs> what yeah. like what am I looking at? So if I'm so, looking at this, what so you should make a video version of this podcast to share <laughs> moments like this with your audience. But um, what you're looking at here, and if if anybody is curious about this, um, I encourage you to look up CSS because it is actually not that hard to get behind. If you're not curious about this, I don't know how to help you because we're talking about this anyway. Um, so what this is, is over here um, is... Uh, this is called a class. So a class basically needs to be tied to an HTML element. So this says fancybox-wrap. Any HTML element that has the class fancybox-wrap is going to be affected by these rules down here, meaning it's going to have this type of padding, this type of margin, this type of border, this type of vertical alignment, Uh, all of those things. So the rule is what's inside of these curly brackets. This is called a rule, a CSS rule. And this is called a selector, where the classes are. You don't have to select by class. You can select by HTML element type. You can select by CSS IDs, which is it means it's only going to affect one individual thing on a page. You can have multiple things under a class, but an ID on a page is unique. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, that, uh, that, that's a very like broad, quick and dirty explanation of how CSS works. But using this uh, framework, you can make any web page in the world look like whatever the hell you want it to. Interesting. How does it order things? Like, what are the lines? Is this like a particular way that, like the way they're stacked is the way that they are existing in the web space or? So not necessarily. Um, CSS, it, uh, Order does matter in CSS. It's called cascading because it interprets from, you know, top, left, down, and over to the right. So anything that's in front is interpreted first, and anything that's above is interpreted first. 
Um, that matters because it determines which rules are more important than others in case mm. two rules compete with each other. Uh, and then it'll determine which one is more important. But this doesn't actually affect the layout. HTML determines layout. Mm. HTML determines where everything on your page is. The, the CSS determines what it looks like. What? How long would you say it would take someone who didn't know any of this to learn it? Um, it depends. It, it depends on how advanced you're trying to get with it, right? Um, it can be hours to days to months to years. It really, it really just depends on how, how advanced you're trying to get to it, right? Say you were a basic, like you were starting with no knowledge, but you wanted to know how to build your own website, but like everything yourself. How long mm -hmm. do you think that would take? That would probably take um, a few hours to get into the basics and then a few weeks to get through execution. But I, 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 I'm open to being wrong if somebody can beat me on that. Interesting. Um, okay. I was just curious, obviously, like, a really no, like, good, science, like, experiments we've done to test this, but I was just no, kind of sure, curious sure. from an outside perspective. It also really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I'm sure it also depends, like, how much you practice, obviously. Yeah. There's so many factors, but... It's interesting to know that that was much, honestly, more rapid than I was thinking because in my head I'm thinking, like, you you don't only design the web page, you're designing the elements on the web page, yeah. which I feel like would be much more advanced than just learning how to build the pages, right? Yeah, the, th the thing is that all of these things can spiral, right? So, like, there's HTML, then there's semantic HTML, right? Then there's uh, frameworks like Bootstrap. Then there, um, you know, with CSS, there's new frameworks like Tailwind, which uh, basically instead of having to write rules, you uh, the rules are procedurally generated, but you style things through your HTML instead of by writing CSS. Mm. Um, then uh, even with CSS, even with normal CSS, uh, you get into things like flex boxes, and uh, that's its own can of worms because flex boxes are becoming more and more used all over the internet because you get some very creative and interesting layouts using those, but that's its own thing that can take a few hours to a few days to learn. Um, if yeah, anyone is like interested, absolutely. Yeah, I, w I wish I had a code to share or something like that, but I don't. Um, and even still, you should do this for your own knowledge. Uh, if you're interested, go to Code Academy, and I wish they were paying me for this, but unfortunately they're not. I really, <laughs> really fucked up. Um, but uh, the uh, Code Academy, if you're listening, pay me. But um, for the rest of y'all, you can go to CodeAcademy.com. They have an HTML and CSS course. Um, those courses are very informative, um, and they definitely sharpened my previously existing skills of each of these concepts. If you already are like a beginner in either, the first leg of the courses is going to be a little redundant and boring, but such is life. And uh, they're like a few hours each. I think that you can access them for free, but you have to like pay if you want a certification. But um, YouTube, for most things in life, including this, is a terrific resource. Lots of people are willing to share this knowledge on YouTube for free mm -hmm. as well. So um, it's a lot of fun. What's... Yeah, go ahead. What's something that you, like, wish that you knew starting out? What's something that would have helped you? Uh, probably knowing how much fun this as a concept and as a job would have been 
and I would have probably tried to either study it more in college or have majored in it instead of marketing probably. Mm. But I also don't regret majoring in marketing because marketing is a lot of fun and uh, I kind of get to do both at my job right now. So Nice. Okay. Yeah. And what's your, since we're getting so close to the new year now, your, your kind of wish for the general creative collective for the next year of time? Hmm. What do you mean? Just like, for, for creatives all over? Yeah, just for any. Um, stop working for terrible clients. Uh, stop mm. taking cheap jobs and uh, uh, yeah. le- let's de-incentivize uh, people paying less and getting more for it. Um, we, we don't need the creative world to become uh, Netflixified where there's four trillion shows, but all of the movies you actually want to watch are being taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, be, be selective with who you work for and don't don't take too little money to do your work because it just makes it worse for everybody. And like, I, it, it's just the race to the bottom that I talked about earlier. Let's, let's cancel that nonsense. Yeah, let's, that's great advice. Yeah. I agree with that. And I apply that to even my own life. Yeah, charge more. I don't know who needs to charge hear this, more, you guys. but charge more. No it, imposter syndrome. It's like the Joker said in the dark. I'm I'm getting real edge lord now, but uh, it's like it's like the Joker said in the Dark Knight. If you're good at something, never do it for free, right? Mm-hmm. Like if somebody really like in your case, if somebody really thinks that you're charging too much for photographs. They can photograph their own fucking wedding. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> right? yeah. um, like mm-hmm. in, in my case, if they think that Actually. I would charge them too much to design a website. They can do it themselves. I encourage yeah. you to go to Squarespace, go to Wix, whatever. I don't care. I'm it's not like, I'm not gonna lower my my rates to make you happier because I wanna I wanna provide you a good product and I wanna enjoy working for you. And if we're not both gonna be on the same page of that, it's like we're just not a good fit. For sure. It's like when you it's really interesting that I've observed this having a small business doing craft fairs because you don't people don't go to the mall and they don't go in a store and they're not like, Oh, I could make that, so I'm not gonna buy it. But it's mm-hmm. really interesting that that dialogue happens when you people go to a craft fair and they're like, "Oh, well, I could make that." Then make and it's it. Like, well, then make it. Then make it. <laughs> it gives me the same energy, but yeah, you're not um, you're not paying for clay and beads and wire, yeah. right? You're paying for somebody's vision and time and years of dedication mm-hmm. that they took into making something for you, so you friggin' don't. And that applies I, to websites. Yeah, like a, a steak costs like twenty dollars at Kroger, but like you can go to St. Elmo's. Shout out Indianapolis, but you can go to St. Mm-hmm. Elmo and get a steak for a hundred dollars. It's still a piece of meat, but guess yeah. what? Theirs is better because they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they've been doing it for like a century, like like what four or five, six hundred years over there. I don't even know. Um, I'm exaggerating, obviously, but um, <laughs> they they know what they're doing and they figured it out. And if you don't want to pay that much, literally no one is forcing you to. But you can't say that theirs isn't worth it because you don't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Well, you got your wisdom for the day now from us, from us to you. Charge people a billion dollars for every service. <laughs> yeah, but literally. No, literally. Thank you. For being on my podcast. Absolutely. And for driving here from the great beyond in Indiana. The great beyond. Um, And 
So stay tuned, you know, uh, hit up my DMs if you ever need a web designer and I'll link you with uh, a manual. And um, I'll see you guys. See, well, I guess speak to you, not see you in the next episode. And goodbye. Thank you. That's a you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>